are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now with me, your host, Anna Gammons. This is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present to understand how we as humans express ourselves through time. Our theme this week is a la mode, which is a fancy way of saying fashion. And I will be speaking to the incredibly talented Heidi May about founding her clothing brand, Aesthetic Laundry. But first, I'm going to take you back to the 18th century, where fashion was a way for humans to express their political, social and economic identities. So my interest in fashion was ignited at my A-level English class. I know, it's unusual, but we were reading The Rape of the Lock, which is not as sinister as it sounds, but it was a satirical poem written by Alexander Pope in 1712 that was actually about the social political commentary on 18th century aesthetics and particularly the fashions of the upper class. So it was the first time I kind of learned that fashion could represent more than just what you were wearing or what you looked like. It was about social hierarchies, politics, sexuality, and it permeated into every facet of society. Plus, Alexander Pope offered a kind of sarcastic look at the follies of vanity, which as a 16-year-old nerd at college (laughs) appealed to me like you wouldn't believe, uh, because I didn't know what I was doing. But um, So women in the 18th century, as well as some men as well, in fact, quite a lot of men, um, which we'll talk about, were kind of having, they had no little or little influence over anything. And they sort of used fashion as their sphere of influence and kind of their political arena because they weren't in politics, they weren't really in education. Um, So this was kind of their way of sort of... um, showing people what they believed in 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 a kind of in a fashion sense but this explains why everything was kind of a bit ott in the 18th century and it's not because women are extra or anything but because it was their only way they could exert control in a world that limited in them in every direction so the toilette which is again a fancy way of saying dressing up in english was a ritual created by louis the 14th and it was about the upper classes, women getting ready essentially in the morning. They had their hair styled, they had their makeup done, they had all their servants to kind of zip them in and sew them in and put them into whatever luxurious gown they were wearing. But it was before an audience, which I, I don't know about you, but my worst nightmare is getting ready in front of a whole group of people. That sounds absolutely horrendous. But this was a this was commonplace in the 18th century. So. Well, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to get in that mindset of like, this was a ritual. This was kind of about splendor and luxury. Um, William Hogarth, who is the artist of the 18th century, created a series of paintings called Marriage a la Mode, which the toilette scene is part of a social commentary on the follies of the upper class lifestyle. And I recommend that you go and see it. It's in the National Gallery. There's six paintings. It's like a series of kind of, it's almost like a narrative from start to finish about basically what happens when you put all your energy into what you look like and and spoiler alert it ends badly um so that's really interesting um hair is a massive point as well in the 18th century about um conveying your status and your wealth so this was also the focus of pope's the rape of the lock poem which i talked about um where the baron essentially snips off belinda's hair um and it's sort of supposed to symbolize her moral chastity because you know the oppressive patriarchy and all that um but hair was sort of a symbol of the aristocracy during the enlightenment and the french revolution so in the second half of the 18th century around sort of 1760 
Things got real extravagant, guys, mainly in England and France. And you've all visited the National Gallery and probably seen those massive length portraits where women and men are kind of wearing these like massive grey white bundles on top of their head. And you're like, is that hair? Is that a wig? What is that? Well, it's actually a combination of both. Um, women often added false hair to their natural hair and they used things such as padding, powders and wires to kind of ornament their hair and gain sort of height to it. But wigs would range anything from ribbons and jewels, okay, fairly normal, to flowers, again, fine, we've done that, hipsters in the 1960s, and stuffed animals as well. <laughs> so there's taxidermy involved as well. Um, there was also a style, this is my favourite style, called a la frigate, it's French. Um, it was a style where a model ship was used as like a decorative hairpiece on top of like waves of hair. I mean, it's extravagance beyond anything I've ever seen when you look at these paintings. But um, in 1774, the Duchess of Devonshire created a huge sensation when she wore ostrich feathers in her hair. This is a portrait by Thomas Gainsborough, which will be on the Facebook page for you guys to have a look at in 1875. Um, and it was about kind of... Um, a time where she was a wig supporter and it was all about what she could everything she was the height of fashion so people were sort of dressing as they were to her but in the 1770s the stars could get up to one to one and a half times the length of someone's face so their hair was double the length of their face like what is that's crazy I don't know how they carried themselves around um and this is awful because the hair was in place using lard, so to kind of stiffen it and get it to stay in place, rats were often attracted to hair and they made homes in, in the like in the hair and the wigs. Oh god, that is so awful. Um so French women powdered their hair, whereas English women generally kind of left their hair unpowdered. But it was actually a tradition um invented by Henry the Fourth of France, um, because he was sort of greying, so he used a darker powders and therefore um, this kind of transcended into the fashion sphere and then everyone's kind of using powder in their hairs and it also was a bit of a degreaser as well so like the Batiste of the uh, 18th century dry shampoo that people were using um, but white haired wigs which were very popular because they're expensive and rare essentially so men and women in the early 18th century and the late 18th century were using white powders because wigs were super expensive if they were white so they were just kind of greyish and then they would powder them to kind of get that look um, makeup as well was a huge part of kind of assert asserting yourself in p the political sphere and the economic sphere and gender differences weren't really as important as class differences which meant that men wore makeup too so people would literally paint their face it was called face paint which is kind of where that comes from and this was like really really thick white paint rouge cheeks and often a mouche which is like a little kind of beauty spot think Kira Knightley in the Duchess of Devonshire that's the kind of look that we're thinking about right now um, but people also put toxic substances in their makeup to get that look of like really really pale skin really really white hair um, kind of ill looking if you ask me but they use lead in the makeup to sort of like they kind of sucked the life out of them a little bit but you know each to their own um, male dress was a little bit different. They kind of wore uh, like sort of like a full skirted knee length coat, um, knee breeches, vests, long waistcoats and linen shirts. Think of like Orlando Bloom from Pirates of the Caribbean. That's the kind of look we're going for here. Uh, they also wore stockings because they were all about the calves being on display. And um, they also wore heels and a red heel meant that you were, had been present in the court of the king. So that was about status and the kind of economic wealth. Um, women wore what's called a man 
mantua, mantua, I think it's called, for formal occasions. And this was like silk or wool. But it was basically a huge, huge cage, which the dress kind of flowed over. And there was like a massive structure underneath. But in the widest, they were four foot, 11 inches long, like as in wide. That's a whole person. That's a person's length of dress that you're wearing I just I mean the the bigger the dress the more material and that meant that you could show your wealth because you had richly embroidered cloths on your beautiful dresses that were huge and took up so much space so you were therefore more important in quotes um <laughs> women were also wearing corsets now we all know about corsets um I have my own opinion on what corsets kind of meant in terms of female restrictions, but um, they kind of had like shoulder straps on them and they would cinch you in so tightly and kind of put your shoulder blades was sort of sent back. You had a very erect posture and sort of you're you kind of forced to stick your chest out almost as well. So we can maybe make some assumptions about who that was for. Um, but they were made of whale bones as well. And <clears throat> the bones that actually structure the biggest mammals were used for corsets so they are so heavily tied in um to what they're wearing they couldn't breathe they couldn't do a whole lot um and in the french revolution as well fashion took a massive role so marie antoinette was quickly becoming a very unpopular symbol of kind of uh, royal aristocratic decadence um, and there's a portrait of her wearing like a chemise dress which was supposed to symbolize um, the liberation of the french people because it wasn't corseted which was a huge deal at the time can you imagine women their natural forms um this was considered so shocking and it was also used as a political symbol during the French Revolution. After the storming of the Bastille in 1789, all citizens of France wore the tricolore cockade. So this is like a rosette or a ribbon, for example, that would show your political allegiance to the revolution. So also women were wearing skirts, a kind of different of the kind of the tricolore fashion. They would be red, white and blue. The same with men in their breeches. So again, Clothing was very political. It was not just about your aesthetic look. Good afternoon. You are listening to Resonance 104.4 and this is Art Then and Now. Hopefully you enjoyed learning a little bit about 18th century fashion as a mode of cultural expression. Now, from restrictive clothing to feel-good fashion, my interview with the very, very talented Heidi May, founder of Aesthetic Laundry, which is a fun and inclusive clothing brand. And I think this is going to make you see fashion in a whole new and wonderful way. Introduce yourself. Oh, God, we're going straight in. We're going straight in. So, I am <laughs> Heidi May, and I have a clothing brand called Aesthetic Laundry. Um, and I set it up, or oh, I quit my job to set it up full time nearly three years ago. That's so exciting. And it's all about. Um, clothes that make you feel good mm -hmm. and that you just want to wear wash and wear them all the time hence the name aesthetic laundry and it's like I don't I just don't hated um buying things and wearing them once that you know when you have your favorite jumper that you wear all the time or your favorite yeah trousers or your I want yes. that aesthetic laundry to be that piece for yes. you and then because when you're I, happy plays like yeah. yeah 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 we've all got one and then um, I, I started making clothes for myself and then to make myself feel better when I didn't like you, I used to go shopping on the high street and just 
feel like they just catered for one specific look. I mean, um, they kind of do, and one size as well, which, yeah. Yeah, and then it's just not flattering. And I was like, oh, if I had it, I wouldn't wear this, or I'd buy it three sizes too big, so then I'd feel a bit more comfortable mm. in it because I had, like, huge body issues growing up, so... I mean, didn't we all? Um, oh my goodness, going back yeah. to being a teenage girl, it's like a horror show. Yeah. Okay, so who is your brand for? I feel like we've talked a little bit about this already, but... So I... <laughs> I get asked this question a lot, uh-huh. and I always, and I'm not supposed, the business person in me is not supposed to say <laughs> it's for everyone. Right. But I right. just want it to be for everyone. For yeah, anyone yeah, yeah. who doesn't feel confident, they can, I want there to be something in my collection for them. So there's like a big oversized black jumper for when you just want to hide and wear it with your favourite jeans, mm-hmm. or, and it kind of goes with everything. Yeah. And, or if you want to be like a peacock and be loud and you're feeling really fun, then yes. there's something with a real big element yeah. of fun, like yeah, the yeah, rainbow. Yeah. The tassels or the fringing or um so and I just want everything to be comfortable and so you can wash and wear it a lot so mm-hmm. you get a lot of use out well it's essentially about confidence and whether that confidence comes from being really overt and like extrovert with your color choices or whether it comes from wanting to blend and wanting to feel comfortable that day being introverted yeah. that's kind of for me what it feels like because when I when I buy a piece of clothing or whatever sometimes I buy it because I, I don't genuinely don't know what looks good on me or in general um (laughs) but I will buy it because I think oh you know that's for for this part of my life where I'm gonna be I'll imagine what I'm gonna do in that outfit so I'm like okay that's my watching tv chilling but kind of want to look nice for my boyfriend look or this is the one where I'm gonna be like (laughs) do you know what I mean or like the one where I'm visiting the shops in the morning but I also kind of want to look a bit cool and like I'm trendier than I actually am and I'll imagine what I'm actually going to do in those clothes and how I'm going to live my life in those clothes so I think when you're buying something you want to have that confidence that's going to fit in with what you're doing and who you are yes. so I just think giving me an idea for a photo shoot I love that but yes I love that <laughs> you're I always, welcome I, if I could say anything like I, what I would want people to be doing in my mm. clothes it would be shopping travelling going mm-hmm. to the airport like going on a plane being a confident woman that's like doing their everyday stuff the yeah. airport one's a big looking one looking cool literally like I yeah. just want people to go oh she looks cool but I want to talk to you about colour as well you mentioned that you um, you can be like peacocking and kind of like with these bright mod colours and you've got yes. these gorgeous like tassels on that's a very staple design for you color makes me feel safe i think when i'm like covered in like in color and it makes me feel inspired and it makes me feel okay like if i see all of the color like the like that bubblegum pink and the bright canary yellow and that light blue like i know i feel like oh it's mine like i feel like i'm okay in here like i feel i love that because almost like the color speaks for itself so you don't have to but you can let the color say what it needs to yeah and then you're like with it i love i love when people come in and go oh it's so colorful in here and i'm like oh is it it's just how because mm-hmm. it's so you can see how organically it's got like I've got a bit, yeah. put a bit of paint everywhere and then I put confetti on the wall when I feel yeah, like that yeah no I love it in so, fact I want to say so we're currently sitting in Heidi's studio yeah, and it is absolutely awesome in here I walked in here and it smelled like jelly beans initially <laughs> which I love because her whole brand is about being vibrant being happy bright being free and like being yourself and the, I literally walked in there's bubblegum on the walls like not actual bubblegum bubblegum bubble colour yeah there's like there's tassels it's sparkly it's so much fun in here it smells great in here and it's actually a really good place to do this interview because I feel like we can refer to things around us so I just wanted to give a little bit of context so who or what do you take creative influence from because your designs ah. are like nothing else I've seen so I want to hear about where this comes from in your oh, I love this question like, <laughs> everyone always looks at me like what because I hate looking at other designers or we were yeah. always taught in fashion school to look at other designers or other artists or what yeah, you like what's the context to, of fashion what the hell no if we want, I want to create something new so yeah. I literally will walk down the street and I was 
like I get really inspired by huge big buildings with tar- that are covered in tarpaulin Ooh. and like the way it hangs and the structure that it creates and it's so impactful and oh, that's like exaggerated and then or so another one I got really inspired by um, loads of we had a party and loads of the balloons got popped afterwards and all over the floor there was like these multicoloured oh, like, mesh like, of like multicoloured yeah. fun like I, I was oh, like I want to use that, that. I want to use that so I just get creative like I get ideas from anywhere. Yeah. I can be sat in the dullest place, right. or like the most vibrant place, and I'll just yeah anything. Yeah, I think that's a true sign of a creative though. You can make something out of nothing. That's kind of what creativity is. Yeah. So like when you're seeing things and being inspired things, it's not necessarily like A to B. It's not like oh I saw something on the runway and now I've designed this. It's like no I saw this shade of green next to this shade of pink and I was like oh this, this looks yes. absolutely ma- amazing together. Yeah. Like and something pops and something clicks in your head. That, and like when I go to a fabric shop, I feel the fabric mm-hmm. and I go, oh my God, I, I want to make this out of that instantly and I buy yes. it. Like that's how... Because you want to wear it on your body and you're wet. Like I, I think we're thinking more and more, which is great, about what we're actually putting against our skin as well because we're... Yes. Not only is it kind of like, you know, there's more artificial fabrics than ever, plastics in fabrics and things like that, but actually it's not good for your skin to be to be next to those kind of things you sweat more like there's chemicals and things and and the fact that you like your the material you're using is good quality and the fact that we can make more choice about what we're putting against our skin i think is really important we're doing it with like makeup and we're doing it with skincare why shouldn't we do it with clothes as well i think that makes perfect sense but also just just add another spanner in the works no no i was using um, I'm quite avid about using 100% cotton. Right. And then when I realised how bad, like, 100% cotton yeah, is... Yeah, for the climate for the, and, like... That, and the also the wear of it. Like, mm. the wet, the... So, 100% cotton bubbles a lot easier. Yes, so that's I've why, had my fair share of experience with Yeah, <laughs> so that's why you have, like, viscose and then the... A blend. Yeah, like, and then that's why they add it. Not just for a cheap reason. I think it's yeah. got a lot of steam, but because the garments last longer. Yes. So now I'm like, right, hang on. I want to do a wash test. That's I so do this, interesting. Because I, I always think of better quality being like a, a purer um, blend or a purer kind of um, material. Yeah. But you're quite right. Like cotton, because it's organic, is going to wear quicker and faster and um, isn't maybe always the best kind of in terms of longevity. Yeah. So that's really interesting. I didn't think of that. I know, at all. So, but I was really like, oh no, hundred percent cotton only, and now, yeah. Are your creations expressions of who you are, your personality? Because you're so bubbly and wonderful, and oh. like that is very much coming across in your clothes, from what I can see. So, talk to me about that. Um. So they are. Def- my designs are definitely an extension of me. I design. This is really bad, but I design for myself first. I think that's and I put it that's on great. and that's how I design. Like mm-hmm. I will put it on, wear it, cup it off, take it off. Like if you come mm-hmm. in earlier today I had literally no trousers on because I was trying to figure out these trouser patterns. So I was I'd made like three or four different things. <laughs> took them on, put them off, took them on and then so long as I feel right in them then yeah. then going from that then I then alter it to see how they can suit everyone. Like okay. many more. Okay, so they are kind of like they are modelled like on your on what you would wear and what your style is and like how you choose to express yourself and stuff. Yeah, well, I think that's the only way you can really be creative in a sense. It has to come from you, doesn't it? You can't be making stuff that you don't want to be involved in. So, um, okay, I want to talk a little bit about um, the models that you use on your Instagram and and generally the models that you use in general. The girls that you use and and the models that you use seem to be so vibrant and smiley and fun and playful I it's unlike a lot of things I've seen in terms of fashion so I just wanted to talk to you about oh, that so I really I find myself saying smile and smile mm-hmm. and fun and right happy. okay so I really try and I, like I think the 
the whole you just it has to make you feel good yes and if you don't look like you're having a good time or if you're serious or edgy taking or, yourself too seriously yeah. it's not right and then but it all depends on the model as well so I like to use models that aren't necessarily models they're people that you would want to wear your clothes they're the people buying your clothes yeah so you're kind of when I, whenever I look on your Instagram page I, I it makes me feel like kind of free and liberated is that something that you're playing with as well the idea of a freedom, a sense of freedom, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Freedom to be exactly who you are. Right, yeah. Um, some people have said to me before, oh, Heidi always looks like she's in her pyjamas. That's fine. <laughs> That's totally fine. I'm super happy rude. with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like really rude. Very yeah. rude. But, um, but, yeah. but yeah, I'm like, right, well, you know what? That's what I like. Okay, so does your how does your brand sort of tackle diversity and inclusivity? Because I know this is something that we've talked about um, independently. But... Ah, okay, so... My si- I'm actually expanding my size ranges mm-hmm. now um, because they, I only go up to a size 22 at the moment and right. down to an 8. Okay. So I'm going to go to a 4 or a 6 right. and okay, then okay. up to a 24 or 28. I, uh, yeah, 26 or 28. Okay. Um, and then we're, awesome. we're just trying to make it so every garment fits so we cater for every certain, like if you're tall if you're yes. shorter we're trying to make going forward like yeah. I said it on your point two or two point <laughs> oh we're calling it and uh, if you want so we're gonna like going forward we want to cater for every body type it's it's hard when you're starting up as a fashion brand to be yeah. have all of the sizes and I know that sounds yes. really like oh but because no. I was running everything on a shoestring I was like right if you have stock of certain items or if you carry six patterns yeah. for different Say you've got like a pair of trousers and there's six different sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have to have stock of those, that's then, even if you have one each in stock, that's six. If yeah. you times that by three different colorways mm-hmm. and then 10 different designs, suddenly yeah. you've got, you know, yeah. you're, you're talking hundreds and hundreds of garments. Um, and so, uh, so, but now we, yeah, we're just trying to figure out a business model that caters for everyone yeah. and make sure that we can do Without it. Without waste as well. Um, so, is it just you? Because obviously this is your brand. You started this from scratch. What's the kind of um, the structure of it? How do, how do you kind of? So it was. So I just quit my job in secret, and it was just me and oh, just me scary. and Instagram. Right. And so I've kind of grown it myself organically for like uh-huh. two years. Yeah. And then my boyfriend now fiance. Woohoo! Woo! Um, congratulations. Thank you. He <laughs> um, he helps a lot back like backstage uh-huh, um, right because he's like a business consultant so oh, he like very cool. has given me so many tips and then I'm like yeah I'm gonna do that but yeah. I just all I want to do is create a really cool jumper or like mm-hmm. I just want to bring out another design yeah and he's yeah, kind yeah. of like been talking to a brick wall because I'm just like yeah. I just want to create I'm just yeah. a creative so now like a year down the line so it's been three years now mm-hmm. uh we're like putting our heads together and we're like right let's put our best foot forward yes and then so there's going and then there's actually going to be like a team so there's now oh, going to be going so four people because you kind of have that tester period and now you're actually going into yes this is my fully fledged business we're going to expand oh my goodness that's so exciting oh my god it's so exciting so it before be. it was like me just putting things what i liked out there that yeah was, that was really bad grammar putting things like <laughs> um, it was just me putting things that i yeah. like to design out there and then adapting yeah. that and then if a customer i was being so reactive mm-hmm. and then if a customer would say oh i'd love that a bit longer two weeks later because I was making it yeah and I had all the time in the world yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you could completely personalize yeah. everything yeah but then you just burn out totally burn right. out and then, and then I was trying to please everyone and yeah. you just can't no no I completely get that so on a day-to-day basis run me through the average day in the life of Heidi oh my goodness that's a really broad question so I bet you're doing a, a complete mixture of things all day every so day, it's so. kind of like a hodgepodge fighting fires so right but um, mostly 
it will be so the first thing I do is reach my phone and I'll do at least an hour mm-hmm. on social media that's right. going through every single channel every single DM mm-hmm. message on Facebook or Instagram or yeah. WhatsApp or email mm-hmm. and then I will go through all of those and answer all of those then I'll figure out my content for the day mm-hmm. and I'll post something in the morning Right. then I'll have I will have my first breakfast then I post then I'll have my second breakfast and then I get ready to leave because oh I, I have that. two breakfasts in oh, the morning I get so Jeez. hungry in the morning oh I, eat lunch at, I eat lunch at half eleven I get so <laughs> I <know> hungry <laughs> And then I will, um, if I've got a design, sometimes I'll wake up with a design in my head mm-hmm. or um, I'll, be, I'll have dreamt something or something. So I'll go on my computer and I always have Adobe Illustrator open mm-hmm. and that's like my brain dump. So I'll have, right. always have design or CADs open so I can then alter them or change them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what about this colour? So I'm constantly working on designs. Mm-hmm. And then I will go to the studio and I either cycle or my Santander studio. Yeah, you um, do. So go back to the studio. Um, and then I will come in and it depends. If I can't get in the mood straight away, I will just make tassels mm-hmm. and do something quite like monotonous for the first like hour Until, it, until it kind of hits you until and you can clicks. be creative. Yeah. So you can be productive while you're kind of waiting for it to yes and then it will be like a case of either making orders or Mm -hmm. sewing or if Anna comes in two days a week I have to manage when I can't do I find that really difficult to manage people but so me and Anna then work together manufacturing and stuff and then I'll send out orders which I love like wrapping them up and making videos because that's like the sense of satisfaction that you've literally from start to finish made something and now someone's going to get it like the best part is that's a good feeling click of the tag like the little tag thing I love it I love branding (laughs) so much it's so sad but I love love how passionate you are about it even the mundane stuff like is because it's you it's come from you like you've made it that's that sense of achievement is like that's what keeps you going that's important and I love that okay so so then okay you've come in and then you've like you might start off with something maybe a bit more mindless to kind of get in the zone and then I'll sort of figure out what I need to do for that Mm -hmm. day and it'll be like the urgent things first and then it'll be like right what do I need to do for that weekend or maybe is there something else I can be designing or going forward Mm -hmm. okay so big question where do you see your brand heading where do you want to be like it's already done incredibly well and I do not want to minimize no 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 I I want to see this in every single place I look so what's the plan so I want aesthetic laundry to be a household name mm-hmm. so I want you to be like oh that's a lot or I want people to have laundry days where they feel like they just want to wear their big you know their big cosy clothes or like yes. oh, what's who's that girl wearing what's that girl wearing oh that's lot and people uh, that's what I would love but I would I don't want shops because mm-hmm. I think retail's changing so well, do you do you worry that you'll you'll lose the personal element though if you get if the brand gets so big? Oh, that's massive! My hands got up. That's <laughs> huge. Like that, I do not ever, ever, ever right. want to lose that. So okay. we're trying to work on a way as well, mm-hmm. uh, a two point oh, um, to <laughs> keep the brand personal because I care about every single jumper that goes mm-hmm. out. If it's not right, it doesn't fit. Bring yeah. it back. That's fine. We'll change it. We'll sort it out. Yeah. And I don't ever want to lose that because yeah. I don't ever want to just be a brand that goes, oh, they're doing that now, mm-hmm. they'll sell out. I don't right. ever want that. Like ever, ever, ever. And if okay. I, yeah what kind of what's really exciting you right now what new designs are you coming out I want to talk about what's making you come to work in the morning with a smile on your ah, face like what's your totally <laughs> it's fun. Um, so the thing I'm loving at the moment is trousers I've always been really scared about trousers okay. and joggers and so I live in my harems that I made like 10 mm-hmm. years ago and now they're like falling apart and I was like and people keep saying where'd you get those from where'd you get those from and I'm like I wear them with Me. everything and, like, and I'm like oh they're literally I made them ages ago and I live in them so now I'm developing like four key yeah four key trousers that you just say so there's one like triangle one and then there's some like drop cocktail ones and then there's just joggers Very but they're cool. the, the best joggers that you can get if that makes sense so yeah I want, 
Yeah, uh, so we had a meeting the other day and they were like, what do you want? I was like, I just want to be the best at what I'm doing. Like, the, if yeah. they're going to be joggers, I just want them to be the best yeah. joggers that you can yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. So we set that, you know, set that standard. Um, okay, so I have one last question for you, which is a really difficult question, but knowing how far you've come, your, your brand started from, you know, difficulties you have with body image, confidence, things like that, um, and you've managed to transform those kind of negative feelings into something incredibly positive and amazing. If you could look back at your teenage self that was really, like, struggling, what would you say? Because I feel like I would love to hold a mirror up to that teenage girl and be like, this is what you can do. Oh my God. And I would, I think we all need to be, you know, I think we would all benefit from doing that. But what would you say to your younger self? So I would say, I just sit myself down, just be like, hide it's far, like just, just being who you are is okay. Mm. Even if you don't know yet what that is, who that is. Yeah. it's okay. And if you like certain things, that's you're free to like those things. Mm -hmm. You don't have to like the same things as your friends, mm -hmm. and or like as your parents say, you don't have to like those. You can make your own mind up, mm -hmm. and so long as you're not hurting anyone, that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say to myself. I think we're we're at a really lovely age now, like in in between our twenties and thirties, and even later, where we're finding out who we are. We're getting to grips with it, and we're really not afraid anymore. And we don't have to fit in because actually, the people that don't fit in are the people that are gonna change the world, essentially. Yeah. Um, okay, so, where can people find you online, Heidi, if they wanna follow what oh you're doing, which they gosh. absolutely should, because it's incredible fashion. Oh, um, so I am mostly found on Instagram mm -hmm. uh, as Aesthetic Laundry. Yeah. Um, although if you f if you type in hashtag Heidi Jumpers, then it will come up. Thank you so much for talking to me. <laughs> you're welcome, this has been it's so really fun. fun. Isn't she absolutely wonderful? I had the best time talking to Heidi. She is so positive, so bubbly, and her designs are incredible. She does these funky, fun jumper designs and t-shirts. They've got tassels and the spectrum of colours. They're just um, an absolute joy. It was amazing to be talking to her in her studio. We've got time quickly for Insta highlights, and I want to shout out Laura Zabo. So she's at Laura Zabo on Instagram. You should definitely give her a follow. Um, she does sustainable fashion and jewellery made out of, like, tire innards and environmentally friendly materials and things like that. She makes beautiful drop-down earrings, she makes belts, she makes shoes. Um, I had the pleasure of working very near to her in our studios um, and I kind of saw everything that she was up to and her Instagram is full of like inspirational quotes about the environment and kind of how we really need to take an active role in sort of saving our planet. So definitely give her a follow at Laura Zabo. Give, um, sorry, Laura underscore Zabo on Instagram and definitely give a follow to Heidi at Aesthetic Laundry as well. You won't regret it. Um, that is all we've got time for this afternoon. Thank you for listening to Art Then and Now with me, Anna Gammons. For any 